0: Hello. With The Big Rethink, we aim to unpick some key topics and to share ideas on the future of our industry. I'm your host, Martin Jandals, and today's topic is data. What are the first words that spring to mind when thinking about the topic of data? Is it big data, quantum computing, AI, or perhaps machine learning and statistics? Whatever it may be, We live in an age of data, with data capture and analysis being essential for competitive advantage and company growth. To explore this topic, I'm joined by our special guest, Charlie Healy, Product Manager, Payments at Rumex, and Rupert DeSega, Strategic Business Development Manager and my colleague at AirPlus. Welcome to you both. So, Charlie, if I can firstly ask you to introduce yourself. Sure.
1: Um, so I'm, I'm currently the um, product manager for payments within Rumex. And for those that don't know Rumex, we are a travel management company that really kind of hones in on mobile workforce. So while a lot of um, accommodation platforms would deal with you know executive travel, your, your whole gambit, we're really more focused on people that travel for a living so everything from hard hats to um you know site engineers to specialists that have to go to you know a pharmaceutical uh, refit uh, it's across the board but it's It's very much about um, uh, the workforce mobile uh, traveler. Um, I myself, my background is, you know, payments, true and true. Uh, Last 20 years dealing with e-commerce all the way through to fraud, VCCs, tokenization, and uh, everything digital and that kind of uh, field. And now uh, I head up the uh, payment strategy within uh, Rumex.
0: Great. So... Data very much uh, intertwined into your sort of career history there. So, looking forward to your inputs. Rupert, um, quick intro from yourself.
2: Sure. Thanks, Martin. So, my, my career has been involved in, in both travel and payment. So, starting out of university at American Express, working on the, on the business travel side of, of the business. And then, for the last eight and a half years, I've, I've been uh, at AirPlus working on, on payments
0: and, and helping companies build better payment programs. Fantastic. Thanks, uh, Rupert, and uh, equally looking to your uh, input into the conversation. Um, so, Charlie, just coming back to you, and uh, again, from a payments perspective, how can data be effectively used in the travel management sector? What's what's your experience on that?
1: What's the problem that people are trying to solve that they think data is going to unlock? And, um In the majority of cases, it's reconciliation. That's that's where the pain point sits and that's where people want more data um, so that they can, you know, basically leverage decision making. What we see in a lot of cases is that because um the transaction spans an entire trip and you're not necessarily paying for just one single thing, you're paying for multiple things, what people are looking for is more granularity in the data that they can access. Uh, and not just granularity, but um, in a format that they can ingest into systems that can help them uh, make insightful decisions about, you know, is something within policy, is it uh, outside the scope of what they're prepared to uh, accept for a client or an internal stakeholder, etc. So what, what we've been seeing, um, particularly post-COVID, is that uh, people want to offer more flexibility. Um, around payments but in order to do that they need more control but actually what control means is that you can increase flexibility because if you have the controls in place then people can be trusted to do more
0: so data really coming in as something that you can use to differentiate yourself as well as enhancing your your offering your product offering
1: absolutely i mean For us, the ability to offer more refined controls around payment, um, offer more data to help you reconcile more efficiently, um, is key to what we want to do to enable um, workforce travel.
0: Great. Um, So trying to bring you in, uh, Rupert, um, would you have other uh, opinions to add to what uh, Charlie's just
2: brought in? I'm glad you're trying to bring me in there, Martin. so I think I'm on the same page as Charlie there in a lot of ways. For me, with, with data, a key thing for it within travel is reconciliation. So I agree with you on that. For reconciliation, from a payment provider perspective, the most important thing for reconciliation is making sure that you receive the data in the first place um, from 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 the travel travel provider. That that for me is the the first step and. You know, a lot of companies, you know, depending on the payment systems that they have in place, have a lot of challenges around that ability to to receive that that data in the first place. Uh, and for me, that's something that I know AirPlus, with, with, with those in and know the industry, we are renowned at, at, at being one of the best at, um, because we we have our own techn- technology behind the scenes, um, with our own data face with with travel intermediaries such as such as roomex We really. Own and control our ability to make sure that we collect that data on behalf of our customers. And if we don't don't collect it, we have the relationships with with travel intermediaries to make sure that we look to see why it's not being received. Um, because we, we aim that you know, generally speaking, ninety nine percent of the time, as long as the data is sent, we want to make sure that we can provide that that transactional um, that enhanced data a transaction to help a company effectively reconcile it. I think it's really interesting what you said that on the point of control that actually through more control you can deliver more flexibility, which isn't the natural way to to think about data and I really liked that point and that view viewpoint and i I totally buy buy into that um, and I don't think that's often a way that that people people look at it but it certainly is the more the more control that you can offer, so on around um, payments through through the use of data. easier and simpler you can make um processes for the end user and of course travelers people employees are all looking for more flexibility because the gold standard really is the consumer consumer lifestyle you know what they see in the consumer world they want in the corporate world
1: like this is where it's interesting so we're we're in the process of developing new products that's that's literally my remit uh within the organization to start um You know, evolving our payment offering. And one of the things that we're currently doing is conducting user interviews um, to get feedback on the current products, the other stuff that's in the market that's, you know, holding interest for people. And one of the key areas that we see is adding more data points to each transaction. So, for instance, we want to introduce an idea of um, a card per trip. Why do we want to complicate life by issuing more cards? Well, if you issue a card per trip, you can have data associated with just that trip. So it means you can change the cost center, you can change the project code, you can change the allowed merchants um, uh, for that specific card so what you're actually doing by introducing more data you're introducing more control you're increasing the uh, ability to reconcile this back to specific projects departments customers uh, and you're giving more options for people to basically open up um the use cases so you know we love the idea that you know if we can issue singular card for a singular reason then someone's car breaks down they're on the road um this is part of their job well, now we can issue a card for them to pay a garage to get that car part replaced. And you can do it in a completely controlled manner um, because you can limit um, that card down to you know just garages. So that's, that's kind of where we're going with when we talk about uh, additional control. The control comes from extra data um, and attaching it to uh, more granular instances of transactions.
0: So, Charlie, just picking up on that point, great to hear about new products and innovations happening. Um, if we look at what type of uh, data or perspectives are customers looking for, um, you know, from your sort of uh, customer engagements as part of your development uh, roadmap?
1: A lot of what we're looking are the requests that we get around data are very much the bread and butter pieces that, you know, you would see on the uh, AirPlus integrations that we have, you know, standard fields that you know, you're expecting due to the fact that there's not standardization across um, the market. There's no one single way of representing a cost center. There's no one single way that people refer to employee ID. Um, you're always in a situation where you're mapping. So we're finding that instead of coming to a single point, companies are divergent. So you're having things like invoice two, And you're having, you know, reporting manager, you're having these extra data points that people are looking to augment with in order to get them to where they want to go. And often that's the case because they have multiple integrations. So when they go out to AirPlus, we have a lovely integration document and we have great mapping and it covers, you know, 99% of everything you need. It would be great if we were integrating with one partner like yourselves all the time where you have this you know, really good, robust uh, list of data points and how they map with the flexibility of having custom ones as well, of course. But I think um, the more links in the chain that you have, um, the the harder it gets and the more data points you wind up with. And I think that sometimes more data is not the answer because the more data you have... Uh, the more variations you, you can have off of it. So it, it, it in some ways, is counterintuitive because you think, hey, if I put all this extra data on this, I can then do more with it. And you absolutely can. But it also means that you can do more with your data. Uh, and when you can do more with your data, you can come up with different answers to the same question. And that's when people start losing face uh, in their data resilience
0: Yeah, Uh, there's just an overwhelming amount of data out there and you can be pretty much data overload and, uh, you know, end up with uh, um, decisionitis, not being able to make a decision, basically, because there's just so much uh, data that's been thrown at you. So it's about being able to uh, take a decision, an informed decision, having sifted out the noise from that uh, data set. Yeah, it's interesting
2: because the standardization piece on on data that y- that you talk about is is absolutely true there's the, when you're if you're a global travel manager you're you're making trade-offs between having local solutions that best fit um certain um group sets or 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 regions or or countries but then the more differences you have in your global travel travel program using say different um suppliers that creates data that's formed in a different way which like you said makes it then hard to then make sense of that data when you're trying to reflect on it report, report on it create insights on a, on a global basis um and, and, and like you said with the certain standardizations that we have at air plus other payments companies will have yes in some ways that can get get around that because you've got that one standardization of say the, the payment company but there still is nuances between every every single different travel supplier um in in the market which which does bring its complexities as you say yeah and
1: it's in the same way that other things have happened across industry to create standards my background i when i left college it was coding web pages is what i started off with and of course you know the the biggest um things were the standardization in languages you know i think when we talk about data you have to inevitably talk about the lack of standardization uh, within travel industry, I suppose, is we're dealing across uh, geography, we're uh, across different payment architectures, cultures, um, you know, localization within travel industry in and of itself is, I mean, you you, you could do a podcast series uh, just on localization if you wanted to. Um, But I think the more that a single uh, solution provider can link into the various uh, parts of the flow when it comes to these that's where you really get your leverage and that's why more and more we see bigger players in the market reaching out and you know buying in new parts to their business to offer a more robust end-to-end solution because then you can guarantee a uniformity of data and that's where you can really see um, people being able to leverage their data in a more efficient manner
0: Yeah. So I think, you know, just picked up there, I think one of the challenges is uh, sourcing this data from all these various uh, sources. And uh, I think that kind of brings us neatly into the next bit we want to unpick a bit is around uh, big data. Um, I mean, obviously, the use of data and analytics has been around for a while to support decision making. And the term big data itself has probably been early nineties when it was coming to fore. So the question really is, you know, is big data real, or is this just hot air? But before we do that, just for us to sort of come to a, a common definition, your understanding, uh, Charlie, of what is big data?
1: So for me, big data is when, da- it's when you have more data sets to pull from. It's, it's the cross-pollination, I suppose, of multiple sources. I think the advent of the internet and uh, all of these additional systems has meant that the opportunity exists now to follow the customer journey across data sets. And for me, big data has always been uh, pulling from multiple sources and been able to look at that cohesively um, to to gain real
0: insight. Anything you'd add to that, uh, Rupert, Uh, from a big data? It's obviously coming in from various sources. Anything else? I would say it doesn't have to
2: come from various sources. If I'm being, if I'm being a, a stickler, but yeah, absolutely, it's very large sets of data, and those large sets of data you couldn't analyze the data, make sense of the data using traditional tools. You need specialized tools, machinery to be able to effectively analyze that big data and make sense of it.
0: Okay, so clearly. Um we hear the piece that it's the multiple sources or it could potentially just be a vast source from one area. But the bit, thing that differentiates it here is the analytical part. There is so much of it uh, that you do need specialized uh, sort of kit to be able to um, to analyze that data, which uh, kind of brings us to the next point we're talking around is um, AI, artificial intelligence. So obviously data in itself enables new innovation uh, innovations in fields um and ai is a conversation that uh, no matter what industry you are from um has been taking a lot more uh in terms of column uh, column inches in newspapers and things that we read topical at the moment chat gbt and you know sort of google's uh, alternative coming in there so if we look at uh, AI and machine learning. What's the sort of impact or uh, potential future on the travel industry, and is this something that should be feared or embraced? It is quite a wide topic. Aloud, there two camps, you know, about whether machines are going to take over. So the basic question here: what what's what's the uh, potential impact of AI and machine learning?
1: So from from everything we've seen in the last little while, um, the kind of last 12 months has brought AI more into the public domain and I suppose within the reach of smaller companies. Um, I think ChatGBT is um, a really interesting use case. Um, I love the idea that, you know, this has been trained to a certain point and then released to the public and people are pouring their efforts into further training something that will eventually become a paid service. In, in fact, you you pay for it now if you want access to it full time. So it's it's a fantastic model in that you know um, users are currently enhancing the capabilities of this um, you know uh, open language uh, learning engine to better prepare it to do more things. But you know already we're seeing all these use cases of. Um, people using chat and then it becoming unavailable because as more people become interested the, the resourcing behind this and already you can see that 20 euro or dollars a month subscription is becoming quite appetizing to people and like I, I look at it now that the use case that air plus has for it makes perfect sense i don't think people are taking seriously enough the fact that it's not infallible and that you have to check and you have to provide feedback on the answers that is feeding back. Um, you know, I think it works incredibly well with fixed data sets. If you, if you have two Excel files and you are not an Excel whiz and you want to work out, hey, how do I do my pivot table here? How do I extract data in, in a very particular way? It, it can work really well for that. But more open-ended uh, questions it's interesting and it's very prone to misinformation as well you know it can it can only work from what has been fed
0: yeah and i think you're absolutely right it's probably even just look at you know you go to sort of googling uh something um on the internet um you're not necessarily going to believe the first hit you get on there because you've not fact-checked it it's just a data set. So it's true. I guess user be warned. It's got its applications, but it's got its fallibilities as well. Um but I also pick up here, you know, that um you know with the introduction of uh, chat uh, GBT it's it's another Consumer-led uh, sort of change stuff that's happening in our consumer life that is slowly going to find its way into uh, the corporate uh, space, and it'll be interesting to see as people get comfortable in using that sort of form of AI in their consumer life. You know, hey ho, they expect to start seeing that in the uh, in the corporate space. Why is that not kind of happening, etc.? I, I
1: think it's I think it's going to be interesting that you probably have had your cto or your lead engineers within an organization talking about why ai should be adopted and all the use cases for it for probably two three years now and as ChatGPT makes the headlines, you're now going to have the head of sales. You're going to have the the head of customer success. You're going to have all these other business stakeholders suddenly, you know, coming to the, your uh, management teams and going, "Hey, guys, why have we not? Why have we not locked at AI? And where are we not leveraging it? I think AI lets us leverage that big data, um, but you kind of still need that." in-house skill set, or uh, at least a good third-party service to help you implement AI for your organization.
0: Correct. And, you know, when we kind of look uh, or try and sort of look to the future, I mean, what, what sort of areas do you think AI may play a, uh, a bigger role in sort of our travel sector or travel um, industry in the application of AI? Any, any ideas, any thoughts? Predicting repeat travel. I think is is probably the the
1: best use case. Um, Right now, we have the travel booker um, within the industry who is looking at the needs of individuals and they're booking accommodation, flights, uh, etc. across the board. Um, But what do you actually want them to be doing? What what you would love them to be doing is optimizing uh, the booking. And I think AI plays a, a big role in that. I could see AI knowing ahead of time that there's a conference on in London and therefore warning you ahead of time that your price for your repeat traveler who goes every two to three weeks to the office in London that you know maybe you want to move that meeting because it's going to cost you triple the cost to book a room in a hotel that that for me, that kind of uh, providing uh, insights, um, from available data sources, that that for me is, because it's providing you with information in order for you to make a decision. I think if we can start leveraging that to provide recommendations to customers to enhance uh, their travel operations, I, I, I think that'll be huge. And it'll be transformative because you'll be leading the decision-making rather than passively responding to uh, requests.
0: So again, seeing sort of, AI and uh, using the power of all this, uh, I guess, predictive analysis and uh, predictive modeling in order to be able to, as you say, hey, pre warn regular travels of these particular sessions. I think you also touched, you mentioned about uh, disruption management. You know, when I guess our industry travel is pretty much on. Demand 24-7, this pre booking during your travel and afterwards, and kind of being able to uh, predict potential um, flight delays. You know, it requires many data so- uh, sets again. So, kind of AI being a, uh, playing a position there. But also, I think, what, what are your thoughts in terms of kind of more usage of chatbots? I know a number of uh, sites will use that, but I think there is probably another role there again about uh, using AI. Um, in all those stages of travel, any thoughts on that?
1: When the data is available, the chatbot is just a vehicle, really. Um, it's it's allowing it access into the pertinent data layers to to give the feedback. Uh, allowing someone cancel a room booking through a chatbot—that you know—it's that—that's a good user experience. Um, they can get instant feedback. The the chatbot can be set up that it notifies customer service. Um, even letting someone know that they're outside a the cancellation period and that there's maybe a, a cost associated with that cancellation. Being able to request what your itinerary is for the week, etc., through, through those kind of uh, bots is fantastic. I think the challenge for the industry is knowing when is it appropriate to hand that off to a human. Um, that, and, and that's a learning curve for every individual product, every individual company.
2: I, I mean, Charlie, I must admit, I'm probably not the the best target audience for a chatbot, which may seem strange, but I'm I'm constantly my, one of my first messages will be to the chatbot. Can I speak to an agent? <laughs> because <laughs> because normally I think I've exhausted all of the normal channels on their website to a company's website to do something, and I'm thinking, well, usually the the chatbots aren't advanced enough at this stage yeah. to 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 deliver any more than than what you can do if you if you're unable to probably navigate a website. And that's down
1: to the level of training, though, right? So I've I've gone through the gambit of these. If I want to ring my uh, broadband provider, I don't want to use their chatbot. That's not somewhere that they have invested uh, heavily. Um, But at the same time, I am interested in what Google is going to bring out with their chatbot. I think their one is called Bard. I've seen some of the early kind of uh, talk around it. I haven't seen a, a... a true example of it yet but I, I think this is something that is crackable and you know the i the trust um from a lot of the companies that are leading the way on this is that they want it so you won't know you're talking to a chatbot which which is scary in in kind of some ways that you know i should be able to tell you know hopefully um, but if we can get it to that point then the experience for the customer um if they can't tell then they'll walk away from that interaction happy as long as they got the output that they need.
2: Yeah. And then it comes on to mor- morality of it, you know, going, being in a conversation with someone unknowingly, knowing it, that it's actually uh, an AI, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a computer. Is, is it going to be standard that you walk onto call just like it says today? Your call may be recorded for, for customer service training purposes, that it's going to be exactly the same in, in talking to, to a, a chatbot i think so i i think they'll want to keep it as you know normal as
1: possible so a lot of the stuff will will remain the same whether i look i I can totally see at some point someone coming up with legislation that you will have to be informed that you're talking to a bot
0: so the legal ethical challenges that come in as usual with introduction of new technologies
1: yeah because you know there is a as you said, there's almost like a moral uh, imperative to this, that in the same way that you have to be told that a conversation has been recorded, um, will you have to be told that you're not talking to an actual person? I I, I, I could see legislation pointing that way. Instead of waiting in a queue for an hour to speak to someone who can fix it in five minutes, um, you can deal with the chatbot and get rid of you know, the majority of the calls and then you get through to the actual person who's gonna help you much, much quicker. I I'd be perfectly fine with that as the outcome.
0: Again coming back to this sort of Using AI for the kind of, you know, sort of almost trying to automate those, again, repetitive, laborious tasks, you know, uh, and also potentially reduce human error. um, But more importantly, deploy those people to more productive work. um, And as you say, at the same time, hopefully you're improving the customer experience, uh, you know by being able to provide a channel that customers can get uh, problems solved.
1: And it's it's an interesting one as well because like my my background um, before I came to Rumex was in gift cards. And the majority phone call that our customer service dealt with on gift cards was, what's my balance? And we had an app that let you check your balance. We had a phone number that you could check your balance. We had a website you could go to, get your balance. And we still feel the thousands of calls a day on what's my balance
2: going back into our industry charlie um when it comes to the application of ai something that we're looking at AirPlus is building a a new reporting suite that does in part think about insights looking at how we can use the data pools that we have to to better help our customers and it'd be good to get you know your thoughts on, on the direction that we're going so for example if a certain cost center is suddenly um, you've got employees using lots of different cost centers and you have a particular cost center that suddenly increased in in spend by 50% within a a short period of time compared to the previous 12 months, The travel manager could get an alert. Or you've got certain transactions over a certain threshold. Again, you can get an alert. And just looking to to try and use the, the data, the vast data pool we have, to bring more enhanceable in, insights without having to, to trawl through it and try and trying to be predictive in in sharing information that travel managers, procurement, finance are gonna uh, gonna want to be made aware of. And Rupert, will you build that in such a way that each company
1: can set up what they want to look out for, or are you tr- um, kind of coming up with the trends and then offering? It by exception, so you know we have ingested x amount of data from you. This is what normal looks like. These are outside of normal
2: behaviors. Here's an alert. It's going to be both, from what I understand. I mean, I'm not, I'm not on the front line developing it my, myself, and I know that I'm constrained on what I can and can't can't, can't say. Um, <laughs> no, hold on, I thought this was the reveal all podcast where we
1: were going to get the inside scoop on all the new developments. That's what I was promised when I
2: said I was coming on here.
0: Oh, you you didn't read the small print then, Charlie. (laughs) Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer.
2: Yeah, sure. But yeah, there will be an element of benchmarking as well. So it's not just looking at your own pool of data within your company. We are looking at how we can allow companies to benchmark against similar sized companies within their industry.
1: So are you are you talking about like building lookalike models so that the data is anonymized, but what you're using is your pooled industry experience to say this is normal and we're judging normal based off of someone who matches your data set within a, a tolerance and therefore we think this is pertinent information for you to take an actionable insight from.
2: Exactly. That's one way which we're we're looking at looking at developing it.
0: Yeah. I think yeah, directionally kind of in that direction, I think, because otherwise, yes, how, how do you uh, compare what good looks like?
2: In the past, you know, there's reporting tools that have large sets of data, but quite often, depending on the user, they may not use the large sets of data because one, they don't have the time, they don't have the time to use it, or two, they, they're not sure really in, in, in which ways they can use it. So I think in some ways that, that's where you need companies to innovate and and show businesses how how these data sets can be used and you know i I think you hit the nail on
1: the head there because you know too often we see people adding extra data to something because the report they need uh, needs that piece of data on it and they will run their report and they'll filter down the entire report down to that one column of data that they've now added and that's how they consume that report when if you can actually give them an insight, there could be another output from that report that would be really pertinent to them. But they're not aware of how to crunch that data. Um, we've done a lot of stuff um, around the payments piece because we obviously integrate with a number of different partners. Um, we're, you know, issuing a hundred thousand plus. Uh, virtual cards a year multi-millions in the the volume on it and often a lot of the crunching that even we're still doing now is looking at that data over a year period looking at when cards are getting activated when our cards getting charged when can we close the card and pull money back off of them and often when we start crunching that's when we actually get the insights but you have to have people in your organization that are able to do that. It's why data analysts are you know, the hot commodity, I suppose, in the job market at the minute. Um, because, yeah, you don't know what you don't know. You might have all the data in the world, but un- unless you're asking the right question, you're not going to get the right output.
2: So, Charlie, something that I've seen recently from a, a travel management company and their application of AI, I think it's quite interesting. It'd be good to get your thoughts on it. So what they've done is flip the head on the, the standard travel policy with the standard, say, in this city, it's, it's a fixed cap rate of £150 a night. In this city, it's, it's two, £200 or whatever, whatever it may be, which you know, can be quite difficult to, to work with, whereas in, in flights, it's, it's quite often dynamic and say you know what's the best available rate but in hotels it's not always the same and and with this particular company what they're doing is using ai to look at the data and say okay what is the on this particular de- uh, range of dates that you're looking at what is the reasonable price to pay for, for a hotel three or four stars that's close to the location that you want want to be at so not anywhere and so say close to the location that, that you want to be at and then, and then saying, okay, if it's two hundred dollars for this particular night, and then the traveler picks a, a stay that's one hundred and fifty, then working on a saving scheme where the employee is partly incentivized to to choose the the cheaper option, and I just think that's a really interesting way to look, look at it. So,
1: I mean, okay, there's a couple of layers to that because so in a lot of our instances um taking workforce travel here as the example the travel policy that they're setting is sometimes the maximum that they're prepared to pay so in some instances when someone is going uh, on a job there there might be a you know margin that the company is making on this person's site visit uh and what they would actually be looking at can they uh, get accommodation that is going to keep margin on that project. Um, so it, it can be quite nuanced in what they're prepared to pay. And in some cases, what they're doing is they'll start off at three star and that's their baseline. And they may drop it down to two star and look for a B&B or an apartment or something outside of that. So for us, a lot of the time, what we need to ensure is that we have the widest variety of accommodation in the area possible, so that we can facilitate. Um, I think what you're talking about there is, you know, someone has to go um, and stay in that city because the meeting has been booked. And what you want to make sure is that they're not taking advantage of um, that to book over the odds. So the control that you're actually putting in there is you're you're saying this is reasonable to the point where if they're in some kind of scheme where they're getting. Um, uh, some cost saving back on it. You would hope that that in and of itself would provide the same output. Which is, hey, be reasonable in your bookings, and you can share some of that back. I suppose what what that's doing is it's setting what that benchmark is in order to give the feedback on it. I think it, I think it's very clever. The only thing that I would maybe caution uh, against is that um, someone saving a couple of quid on on a room but staying in a hotel that's cheaper and has noise outside or a construction site next door, or the bed isn't comfortable. Is is that employee then been well-served the next day coming in and being productive? Um, You know, we see it a lot in workforce travel where the most important thing is that we, we facilitate the needs of um, the traveler, um, even sometimes more than the booker. I think, like with everything, it's very nuanced in who the customers are and, and what, what you need to cater for their needs. Um, the AI in that instance, I think, works for a good cohort of customers, um, but it would probably move more in the what I'd call executive travel uh arena uh where reasonable is probably what you know their key um key pieces uh, i don't think it would work for us but i think there's definitely variations that you could do on that to bring in um to achieve the same kind of thing
0: so i think the usual tensions between what the company's trying to achieve but also with what the end user wants to get out of it so the usual tensions i think you know in different ways to try and find that happy medium Excellent. Well, thank you, gents. Um, Fantastic uh, time uh, speaking with you, both um, unfortunately running out of time. And I'm going to just try and uh, sort of summarize a couple of key takeaways. Uh, I mean, we obviously talked about data, big data, and obviously that's going to have an increasingly important role to play in the travel sector. The more data you have, the more valuable you're offering, uh, but the challenges always will be how to collate, analyze, and store that data to be able to use that in some sort of meaningful way. Um, we talked about AI, uh, lots of you know uh, areas that AI is, uh, is touching on, and like other technologies before, it uh, will continue to disrupt the sort of uh, travel industry. Um, AI is not merely a tool that will enable uh, players in the industry to do what they already do uh, better. It will also kind of empower uh, sort of uh, new ways of working um, and uh, provide you know competitive advantage for uh, other players within uh, the industry. So that's kind of my sort of takeaway. I don't know if there's be anything else you might want to add. Uh, starting with you, Charlie. Anything to add? No,
1: I I suppose. Like, from my perspective, it's that I think big data and AI should offer us the ability to be more agile and evolve quicker um, as organizations. That's that for me, I think, should be the end goal that all organizations, big or small, are looking at with regard to this. That when you get new insights, being able to change to accommodate them and adapt is going to determine who's successful and who's not. Um, So, you know, giving yourself the best opportunity to do that um it, it is really down to who you partner with because no company i think at the minute can really cover all the bases so you know do your technical validation um and really look at who's innovating who's constantly pushing forward to use their data the best and hit your wagon um uh, as soon as you can
0: so there'll be kind of those individual applications and uh, it's not going to be something that works in every sphere. So individual applications and uh, where it's applied and the introduction of kind of new capabilities uh, down the road. Uh, Rupert, last opportunity, if there's anything you might want to add to the summary. Just
2: to summarize for me, it'd be that not not to be afraid. I think sometimes people get a, afraid with the use of, of data, particularly on, on the AI side and having a conversation specifically about the use of chat. GPT that worrying that you know, people are using it to, to to cheat, but for me it's just about using it in a sense, using AI in a sensible way that can make um, your organizations life better, and individuals life better, and, and create create efficiencies. It's just like you know the invention of say, the basic calculator. You know some people may feel that using the calculator at the time was wrong and it and it was cheating, but but now you just realize that using the calculator is is a way of making life easier and, and, and simpler and i think also it's a very basic example and ai is as a way more powerful than just a calculator but i think in, in some ways it you know it, it's something to embrace of course there needs to the application of ai to take days to a completely different level needs to be looked at and needs to will need regulation in in some areas but it's going to change the game, you know. In our world, it's going to make recon- take make reconciliation a lot better. It's going to make personalization of experiences a lot better. It's going to provide recommendations, um, and, and ins- insights to to organizations and travelers in ways that we don't see today. And I think it's, it's something to embrace. That, that's how I leave
0: it. Excellent. Thanks. I think a useful, you know, way to close it. You know, um, something that we hopefully can embrace, but having the right uh, sort of legal framework around it. So, thanks, uh, Rupert. Um, so, thank you for listening, and thanks to my guests Charlie and Rupert for joining me for an insightful discussion around data on this week's episode of the AirPlus Big Rethink Podcast. On the next episode, we'll be delving into a fresh new topic. If you enjoyed this podcast, then don't forget to hit follow and subscribe. And if you can leave us a review, that will be fantastic. We are available on all major podcast platforms. Just search for the AirPlus Big Rethink. Goodbye for now.